Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Anything you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. He said the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. Do you know that Jesus so restricted his function on earth that he actually couldn't heal anyone? He couldn't multiply food. He couldn't cast out devils. He couldn't do any of that stuff because he had restricted himself to the life of a human being that would have to be dependent on the Father through the Holy Spirit. Now, if he did miracles as God, I'm still impressed, but I, I'm reduced to an observer. I stand back and go, that's amazing. God, that's amazing. But the New Testament was different. The New Testament shifted where everyone gets to be involved in that which God is doing. He says, when Jesus performed miracles, if he was God, I can stand there and clap. Yeah. As an observer, but as a man, it becomes a totally different thing. Yeah. He rolls a model for us, and yeah. that that goes hand in hand with what you describe uh, and what uh, Johnson is trying to say about from Philippians to six and fourth that Jesus is just man. They put up Jesus as the role model for us as living Christian and. Uh, like you described, Chris, when they say that Jesus was just a man, is it is because that we should follow his example and everything is is possible for us as it was for Jesus. So he models that he needs the Holy Spirit, therefore we need the Holy Spirit. He casts out demons, we should cast out demons. Yes, Jesus says this to his disciples. That's correct. Yeah, I, I can read the scripture here. So it's Philippians yeah. 2, chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, and forwards. So, who Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Uh, so he's creating a theology out of basically... I mean, there have been theologies prior to Bill Johnson that has stated this. That while on earth he sort of laid aside some of his divinity. Maybe there's some grounds to, to say that, but I think that it's always important to say that he was always God, period. Um, but I think the, the very confusing thing is that on the one hand, Bill Johnson sort of reduces Jesus and his divinity, but at the same time, Bethel Church uh, elevates man to become God. It's like the, uh, the sample we played in the introduction where we hear Chris Valentin basically says right out, you are little gods. So on the same time, they uh, 
reduce Jesus' divinity, and at the same time, they elevate man and says, you are little gods. I think that is the really... Firstly, it's very confusing. Um, It's like Bill's point is like, to be able to heal as a man, we need the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we need to... um, decrease the divinity of Jesus because otherwise it wouldn't be attainable for us. That's one point that they make. But on the other hand, they make the point that we are little gods. We need to become gods in order to perform miracles. That is very, very confusing. Yeah. They have to decide. They have to decide. And and the thing is, sort of both of these are false. Both of these are false. And so to every listener who is listening to this, it's so important to carefully uh, listen to what they have to say, but also to test what they're saying. And not just Mm. one uh, thing they're saying, but test it with everything they're saying, because there are a lot of confusion in this. But But I think like the thing is, if this is true, that we are little gods, or if it's true that we as men can perform miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they have this word of faith theology, as you said, Chris, why aren't they going to the hospitals right now? Because now is the time where people really, really need it. I can understand, well, I can understand that, I mean, they have to follow the laws and the laws right now or the regulations, and the regulations are like, you can't go out, you can't have church service, you can't go to the hospitals and everything. Yeah. But I mean, these people are claiming to have authority, power and authority, and claiming to be little God. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, I had, yeah. a, I had a conversation with uh, with this, well, actually a bunch of people in a, in a Todd White, one of his posts, because I, I asked Todd White, I was like, well, like, what about now? Like, isn't this the moment to go pray for people and do whatever? And and people, I mean, said truth that not even family members are allowed to go to the hospitals because the law doesn't allow it. Oh. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I mean, isn't this a spiritual thing, right? You, yeah. We can pray from home. Aren't we gathering in worship from home, right? Through live, through Facebook, through whatever you want to do it, right? Yeah. Well, pray from your house. I mean, is your is the power that God has given you as a healer um, limited to being physically next to somebody, or, or or is the power you know like how does that work? I wish one of them would step out and explain how does it work because I genuinely want to know. That's it. I mean, if I'm wrong, explain to me that I'm wrong. If if you're right, explain to me why you're right. Um, but I don't think that the power that, you know, um, God has given you, right, to heal and to be a healer should, uh, should be limited by you being able to be next to someone or not. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I think also that we, uh, I mean, like you said, Daniel, and you are fair in that sense that you're saying, yeah, uh, there are restrictions right now that may they are not uh, welcome to go inside. Okay, that's one thing. But if we look at the ministries, 
that has these uh, healing rooms or uh, um, so on. Yeah. I don't know how, how the restrictions are right now in the States, but still, if you have a theology where you won't submit to suffering, where yeah. you say that in the, in the presence of this church, cancer will go away. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. We always strive and partner up with healing, and we are called. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking just through the, the pages in this book right now again. When heaven invades earth, and in, in the first pages, he talks about the authority uh, the church has, uh, the revolution of the identity that we are called to take back what the enemy has taken, and I mean. And he and he uses the terms of disease, and we see corona disease. That's yeah. something that we should stamp on. Yeah. And he points it back all the way back to Genesis, to the promise to the woman. Yeah. So I mean, the inconsistency. Either way, even though restrictions are there, and that's of course we understand, but there are inconsistency with the theology in the practice in, a, in other senses. And that's something that's very important when we talk about this. It's like theology is one thing. We can talk theology, but theology always shows in your practice. Yeah, it's like orthodoxy and what we do with it. It need go, needs to go hand in hand. Yeah, orthopraxy. It needs to yeah. go hand in hand. Um, yeah. And it's like because they make these really, really, really heavy claims. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not just like small little claims. Yeah, the whole cancer thing is like <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are faith healers all over the world, and and I mean, I believe in healing. I believe that God is still sovereign and that He can heal. I don't think that has gone away, and I think He can use people. Um, but most people like, yeah, I have uh, this gift of healing, and they minister in that gift but these people they say they are little gods you know they say they th that they have power and authority over the sickness they say that they have power in their tongue so that's why it's called the word of faith that it yeah. even needs to be spoken that's why they always say uh speak life over speak life over this like yeah. I, i'm also i also forgot to to um to say this in the beginning like i'm a i'm a worship leader right i don't know if yeah. um both of you guys are worship leaders too but um i remember leading worship and and seeing other other worship leaders and saying things like speak i speak life over this room speak life over your the person next to you like Move, like move things in this atmosphere like like if we have this authority just the same way that god has over creating things and like this guy said um let me see my notes um he says we we can frame our world the way that god framed his world right and like the reason yeah. we can do these things is because of who we are right yeah. it's just like wow i don't think i even want to have this much responsibility honestly because yeah. like if i can do all these things then i've been doing life completely wrong yeah. and i could i could have done so many other things and helped so many people yeah. and good point you know, good point yeah. Yeah. I, I really would not want to have all that responsibility so man it's just it's crazy how much we want to focus on ourselves yeah honestly. and it's like the 
the Hillsong pastor, the Swedish Hillsong pastor, we didn't hear that in the sample, but in his preaching, he tells uh, his uh, flock as a shepherd, he tells them that, yeah, but um, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that I can declare health over me. I don't believe that I can um, declare health over my um, economy or that I'm going to get a new job or something. And then he says, like, well, then help yourself. And he even says, says it in English <laughs> in the Swedish sermon. He says, well, help yourself. And that's sort of the, the core problem, I think, of the word of faith uh, teaching is that the problem is always yourself, right? And he even says it. Well, uh, yeah, and Chris, Chris, if you would listen to that sermon in English, you would definitely see, uh, like, uh, you would think with another voice it would be Joel Osteen. Yeah. How to create your yeah, best yeah. life. In yeah, seven. It, it, exactly. yeah, it was it was really and now we come to another thing to this. And I don't know if we go out of line here, but I think there's a, a, there's a need to uh, to uh, address this as well. It's like um Chris, you were in the beginning uh, saying that um, that the devil he's coming like a deceiver, the angel of light. He's not. He's not uh, showing up as a dark, dark lord. I mean, that would be obvious for us all. He wants to steal, deceive, and dis- kill and destroy. Yeah. He, he, that, that's his purpose. He wants to take the sheep and take them away. He wants to uh, lead them astray. Mm-hmm. That's his purpose. It's really. Um, oh, how do I say it? it it really disturbs me because before I heard this sermon from the Hillsong pastor that we are addressing right now, I heard a brilliant, another brilliant sermon from him about Jesus as the way. And it was referring to Jesus as the door. It was just a brilliant, brilliant sermon. But the dangerous thing is when you mix sound with, with the destructive uh, uh, sermons and theology. That's that's the, the deceiving part. That's the deceiving part that you can hear things that are good, but there are things that are so so wrong, and you can't say, "Well, I just take the best of it and then go away," because yeah, uh, yeah. you you will get influenced anyway. So um, uh, I say this because this is the thing. Today, this is also we need to draw a line in love, because if we don't draw a line, then those who have the sound theology are not winning. They they are they are winning on having those who have the sound theology on their side because it like it gives them credit to the to other viewers and listeners. To say, oh, hey, they hang out with those guys. Well, that's sound doctrines then. Well, he said something word of faith like, but still, he hangs out with this guy. He's a good guy. So, do you understand what I I mean? I I tell my wife this all the time because I say, hey, babe, look. So, if, if we know that he is the deceiver, 
that means to deceive someone, first you have to make them believe that you're telling the truth, right? You, you can't deceive if I already know you're lying, right? So I tell her, like, we we don't have to worry about, like, like Marilyn Manson is never going to deceive me in any way, <laughs> right? And I, I'm yeah. never going to end up in his side, right, because somehow he lied to me to end up where he is. And I'll be like, whoa, how did I get here, right? Mm. So we have to look at the ones that maybe we even trust the most because or that or that we believe that are speaking the truth because what happens is in order to deceive someone with a lie you have to speak a lot of truth so mm-hmm. like you said there's just this mix of like yeah i know i know that message was a little bit weird but have you heard his other messages there are some messages where he's really really solid so you know it creates this credibility, but there's enough deceiving to, like, throw off this whole person's theology, right? And it's usually in very core, very, very core um, points of our everyday life. Um, oh. Like, for example, um, if you believe enough, if you have enough faith, then this will happen. So you have to believe it. You have to really. It's kind of like if you were in Dragon Ball Z, you know, like, yeah. like just ah, like how much yeah. of that do you have? Like, yeah. so, um, I talk to a lot of my friends. I have a lot of preacher friends, people, worship leaders that are like, really, really out there, um, influencing people's lives, and and I confront them. I say, hey man, so like, you love Todd White, right? And they're like, yeah, I love his heart, man. He's got this heart for for God. And I just love how he goes out there and, and prays for people, you know, like, I don't even do that, right? Like, he's got such a heart for people and for the Lord. He really loves the Lord, and you can tell. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're right. He he does things that we don't do. He has this drive, right? Um, and I'm like, but what about his theology? What about what he is saying? Like, does he ever present the gospel? or is, Or is he just like kind of stretching people's knees out or legs like whatever he does right or like yeah and my friends tell me yeah you know there's some there's some weird things about him but i eat the meat and spit out the bones take the good and spit out the bad and that's what it all boils down Uh, to but there's a problem with that because i hear exactly that a lot when i talk to people as well like yeah eat the meat spit the bones but i like listen the meat is rotten you know, you know, it's like you said, there are problems in the core. There are core doctrinal problems that leads to this is another Jesus. Listen, don't eat this meat. We need to throw away that fish. And I understand that people might think, well, you're very, very harsh. Yeah, I am. But I mean, this is doctrines. And all the way through the Bible, doctrines are important. Talk yeah, and I think we need to. There's a great uh, Lutheran theologian that's called Scare. He's from Missouri. He he says all theology theology is Christology. All yeah, theology exactly. is Christology. Yeah. And that's something that I really agree on. And that we need to see that those things that people will say, oh, it's just small things, but all all boils down to who is Jesus in this. Uh, yeah. Because, and, and that's also, 
I said before, the background, this big framework that builds up the theology that like shows the branches in the yeah. topics that we are addressing. It's like they don't, in my opinion, this is my opinion of it, so don't have to agree, but I mean, uh, what I see, it's like Jesus honored both crucified and resurre- resurrected. Yeah. 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 We and the but the, they are just pointing on the resurrected parts, mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, yeah. and and uh, and and in a pastoral sense. And for me, it's uh, as a shepherd. That's that's my gift. I mean, that's that's something that God has put on in my heart. And for me, it's like walk with people in life and see see when you don't honor suffering. Yeah, and when you have this terminology of faith. That we have just described, and uh, the usage of of it, and that faith also is something that we perform, and yeah. that uh, they don't ever point on. Or if they do, they do it minimal. It's like it's the faith on who. Yeah. Yes, it's Jesus. It's not our faith that performs. It's the faith on who. Who is the one who does the things? It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, but also, to to see in the biblical narrative that uh, that uh, Christ came down to earth and suffered. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so, so, suffering is a huge. Again, we we can go on for hours about the the whole suffering yeah. thing. But yeah. Um, God allows suffering. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because the the end goal of us being here. It's not just to be good. It's not just for everything to be roses and butterflies. God allows suffering to allow things to grow in us, for the fruits of the Spirit to grow in us. Because, the, like you said, the end goal is to be more like Him. Okay, to be more like Him, to be sanctified, right? But hey, like you want to be more like Him. Did you forget the part where He was crucified? Did you forget the part before the betrayal? Did you forget all of that? It's like we love the triumph. Like, like you know, we're in we're in Holy Week. We're we're about to have Easter, and we love the resurrection. We love that whole triumph thing. Yeah, he's resurrected. We also will be yeah. resurrected. But hey, he was beaten down and crucified. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go through that. You know. And there we have something else, and I need to address that as well. If you if if you look at the if, if you look at the theology and what they Oh, very much um, address in 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 the Bible. They don't look so much at the epistles of Paul. No, exactly. Uh, they build a theology around the Gospels because Jesus is the role model. He models how we live. Then they yeah. use uh, prophecies from the Old Testament and uh, and Revelation a lot. To, to build up all their theology in their trying to say that they are building their theology on scripture is like, okay, well, Paul then, should we talk about him as an apostle and what he, what he had to endure? And he still said that his life was abundant. All of them, they died a terrible death. And everything they went yeah. through here, like, you know, it's yeah. it's, wi- it's wild how yeah. we just grab 
suffering and put it a little bit on the side because it's not um, it's not cool. Yeah. I, I did an interesting little thing yesterday um, because I started to think about the, <coughs> the term faith. Um, so I uh, went to the Bible websites uh, on the internet um, and uh, I did it in Swedish. So I uh, went to all the different books in the New Testament and uh, I just searched for the word faith. Um, and you can see so clearly that in the three first Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, Jesus speaks about faith all the time. And I can give the word of faith teachers that he's, he's speaking a lot about like your faith uh, made, made you be healed, right? He says that mm-hmm. a lot. But only in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In John, it, it it's basically not there. Uh, John is speaking about faith in a different way. And then I moved on to uh, Acts and all the epistles and Revelation. And what I found is that the epistles, or that part of the New Testament, is speaking about faith in a totally different way. Right? Mm-hmm. I could only find... Uh, two verses uh, where uh, the New Testament speaks about faith related to healing. Um, And it was in James, James 1 and 5, chapter 1 and 5. But in those uh, Bible verses, it speaks about it in prayer, not like I'm speaking out loud and claiming, declaring, releasing healing or anything like that it's about going to the elders and they anoint you and they pray for you that's the only place uh, where the bible in the new testament speaks uh, about uh, faith and healing and it's very interesting that as you said this movement they are living in it's sort of like the gospel is that's the thing you know and then we just skip all the epistles because you know jesus is saying this in person in the flesh to these people your faith made you be healed and he says to the um, to the apostles the 12 apostles you i have given you might power and authority to do these things as i did but even they weren't always able to uh, drive out the demons, weren't always able to heal people. And Jesus said, it's because you don't have faith in me. You know, it's not, he's not saying it's because you don't exercise the power of your tongue correctly. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, just, no, exactly, yeah. it's because you didn't have faith in me. It's always about Jesus. He's the one doing it. So if Jesus isn't heal, healing anybody, you will not be able to heal, right? Um, and it's like we are not living uh, during these three years that uh, Jesus did his ministry, right? That was for them. That mm. was for the uh, for the yeah. twelve apostles. We are living in uh, the church age after. Um, uh, after Jesus left the earth, right? So we are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. 
and if the Holy Spirit and Jesus don't doesn't want to heal in this specific time and place, we are helpless, right? It's I mean God is a sovereign God, and I think this is very I, important to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add something to the word of faith? The Greek word for faith is pisteo, and faith is also synonymous with trust. Yeah, and that and that gives another dimension when we read the synoptics. Uh, when I say synoptics, I mean Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in the Bible verse you were referring to Daniel, when Jesus said, "You do not trust me. Uh, have faith in me." I think it's about trust also. Yeah, yeah. It's and I think this is a very important thing because faith becomes something that you can measure in those. In those environments, in those movements, and that puts a and that puts a focus on man, and that puts focus on that's and that's something I see, and you need to see those things combined as well. In those movements, they talk a lot about intimacy with God, and that's great. I'm for intimacy with God, in in the sense of reading scripture, prayer, everything. But the, here we talk about you do it because you want to have deeper revelation and and walking more in power like Jesus did, and be more filled with the Holy Spirit, and have more faith, so you can do those things that God has said that you should do. And that puts focus on the man, that you're doing those things. I don't say everyone is doing it, but I say that I think it's common that you do it because you see this as a means to the need. That you need to do to the mission. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, to add a little bit to this the faith thing because um, just just for anyone who's listening um, or watching, I don't know if, if you guys agree with me here, but a buddy of mine asked me um, about like three weeks ago what was faith, and this is what I wrote back to him. I said, faith does not equal belief. It's not a force that the, that the more you have, the more probable you want things to happen. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. We can only have it if God gives it to us. So if you go to Galatians 5, 23 the King James Version says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Yeah. So, I, so I wrote, this is also why faith is a spiritual thing, not a mind thing. It's yeah. supernatural. Mm. It's, it's why we can today believe that a woman, Mary, got pregnant without having sex. That makes no sense. But with the faith we were given by God, we can believe it. It's why we can be saved by grace, because God chose through faith that he gave us. And then uh, a quoted Bible verses, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So, yeah, you know, faith, faith is not belief. It's really not um, the, the more because you know how people will say, um, oh, I have faith in my team or I, I, have, faith, I have faith in my I have faith that my brother can do this, right? Yeah. Uh, we we confuse faith with belief. Yeah. It's, it's not 
it's completely different. Yeah. So, at least that's what, what I believe through my studying. I, I think it was an excellent explanation. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank Definitely. you. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, because that's very important to 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 mark as well. What what do we? How the usage is of the word faith and what it means. Yeah. And to and and you need to also understand again the ter- terminology what they are using in those movements because that builds up the whole theology I mean we can see the tendency through hundreds of years where the language biblical language has swifted there have been theologi- theological uh, changes as well because we are changing words hmm. it's like you are in Sweden, they are they they are they are in some uh, not psalms, but in some prayers that the Swedish church has that they give out to minister, and they have switched some words like sin is switched to um, how do you say brokenness instead. Well, it sounds nice. Sorry, God, forgive me for my brokenness instead of sin, but. It's not the same thing. It's not the same oh. thing. Oh. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. The word brokenness makes it so much more emotional and so much more like, oh, yeah, I'm broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and I think that's something to really, um, and the reason is that they use other words and the meaning of the words is different. So we need to also be skilled and and uh, trained in that to also know what kind of when we are talking with people who are in those movements and want to really show them out of love the truth we need to be aware of what uh, words we are using and that we can also understand if we are using a word that they can make uh, that can make an impression to them to mean something else than what we mean we need to be aware of that and i think that's very important but uh, as we just spoke about faith, I think we need to start wrapping things up. Um, but I think um, the reason why I put in this sample from uh, the Hillsong pastor was because he really emphasized um, the need to declare for a new job if you lose your job. And as I've understood it, it's like during this crisis, I mean, there are millions of people in the U.S. right now who lost their jobs. I think it's like around 10 million or something. Uh, is that correct? Around uh, there, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, one, I'm there. Yeah. And it's like, and he tells people that, just declare it, you will have a new job. Okay, yeah, that sounds easy, sort of, but it's not connected to reality, right? So, Chris, what, what would you say to people yeah. like... Uh, connected to faith what would you say to people in this situation Um, because I don't think that this theology holds to just declare it sort of it means nothing and also and also uh, how do you you approach it Chris how do you uh, yourself approach it yeah um, in my opinion I have faith that God will provide because that's his promise his promise is that he will always provide for me um, in however way he knows that I need because I don't even know what I need because he knows the future, right? 
Yeah. He knows he knows the present even more than I do. So my um, not even advice it's just my story. And if it resounds with anyone out there, is I have faith in God that He will provide for the needs that me and my family have and my loved ones have. But I also know that suffering is part of being a Christian, and I also know that um, these moments where of you're extremely uncertain about where is my income going to come from, how am I going to buy food. Um, these are the moments that make your faith grow and your trust, as uh, Olaf said, in knowing that God will take care of you. Um, and maybe that doesn't mean what in my heart I want it to be or what society says uh, success or provision is. It is whatever God knows that you need. So when you understand faith and when you understand um, what your Christianity and your walk is, which is to have a full, like you could just like throw yourself off a building like that and you know that God's going to catch you whenever he wants and however he wants. Um, I'm, I affront this, uh, this situation, like, like I said, just knowing that whatever process this is, he's building character. He is, uh, he's growing me in whatever he knows that I need to be growing my, my wife as well. Um, and I don't know how to explain it to you guys. Uh, it may sound naive and like blind faith, but I'm, I'm not like worried. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not worried because I, I know that he knows. And that yeah. maybe it's that simple. You know, maybe it's just that simple. It may not be that deeply like theological, but maybe that's the faith talking that yeah. I know he's got full control. And um, and I know this sounds bad, but if one day I don't have food to eat, I know I know we will. I know we'll be okay. And if if this also probably sounds terrible, but if one day we don't have a house or something or or I lose my car or whatever, that doesn't make God any less faithful. That doesn't make him any less God um, because I lost material things. Because I still have Jesus. Um, yeah. Because when 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 you die, you have Jesus. Yeah. And as Paul says, he 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 counts it all as loss. Yeah. Like, so that might sound naive to a lot of people, but at the end of the day, Jesus is is all you need. Um, and I yeah. know that sounds super cliche. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. No, but you you are addressing, and I think we. If I can just take a biblical. Uh, example again with Paul there where when he addresses the Corinthians in second Corinthians and he's talking about in the second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 to 18 it talks about not losing hope and even though uh, how do you say the outer body is destroyed the inner yeah. um, it's renewed or it's what built it? up. Yeah, it, built up or renewed. Yeah. 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 He, he says he says that in a context of where the Corinthians are viewing Paul uh, as not an uh, apostle with charisma and there's not appearing to them with as a leader should do uh, in a Greek Roman context. And they were listening to the false apostles instead that uh, yeah. Paul is referring to. But he's uh, but he is explaining that his suffering is preparing also 
the the richness uh, that they were spending the eternity with the Lord. Therefore, they do not lose sight, and they are keeping their eyes fixed on the invisible. And uh, I think that's a great uh, combined passage to what you describe, uh, Chris. Um, and um, Olaf, to wrap up, I mean, uh, we listened in in the introduction to this couple. Uh, or, or about this girl Olive that died in Bethel Church, um, yeah. and how they handled this situation. Um, and you are a father yourself; you have three kids. Um, what do you say to people who might fear loss during this COVID crisis, or who maybe already have lost peop- uh, loved ones um, to this flu? Um, what do you say to these people? Yeah, and it's a pretty big question, but I know also that people are going through hard times uh, right now and say, man, I can't really uh, imagine uh, when you say kids and I think about my kids. It yeah. uh, it grabs me for a moment. Uh, sorry, but I, I need to be honest. It, uh, yeah. What would I, what what would I, be needed to hear, the truth, but also in a pastoral care sense, and uh, do you understand? Yeah. Uh, so, I think I need to reflect on that a little bit to formulate because this is not an easy thing to just say. Yeah, yeah of course. But I, my thoughts is like, you know, because in these movements they have, they had so much faith. I think it was honest. I I think they had honest faith that this little girl was supposed to be resurrected, right? Mm. Um, but she wasn't. Mm. Um, but I I think we have to turn that into something good, like um, to point to the resurrection, right? To Christ, He yeah. is the resurrection and life, right? And through Him. We have the promise that one day, when earth and heaven is going to pass away, he will renew everything. There will be a resurrection in the future, and that is our hope. So if we, if we put faith in that, then it's not something that we need to produce. You know, We don't need to have worship settings and worship and sing like crazy or jumping back and down and prophesying things that aren't going to come to pass, you know, then we just find this, not childish, what you say, a childlike, you find this childlike faith, like I'm a child of God. And it's like you said, uh, Chris, that no matter what happens now in this crisis, we, we have that truth, even if we don't feel it for the moment or not, we have that truth, because it's, it's written, it's written. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least that would be my take on it. But, you know, as I, I don't have kids myself, so I don't know exactly how it feels. But that goes for losing parents and grandparents as well. I mean, it's mostly the elders who die right now, but I think it goes for them too. And I think it's a good wake-up call, especially for the Western church, to yeah. see what the, what the what is the church and the value of we need each other. The yeah. thumb is nothing without the foot, and we need everyone, each other. And 
And what's really sad today is that people die alone. What's yeah. sad is that people are sick alone. In Jesus Christ, you have peace with God and you are never alone. And eternity awaits you. If you are a believer who are listening to this and you are going through a hard time, um, being sick yourself or others in your that you love is sick, um, there, there is one who has gone all the way to, uh, so that we can have peace with God. He was crucified for our sins. And Jesus' examples that suffering is not a bad thing. And I also want to honor you who are suffering right now and say that it is okay to suffer. And I, and I pray to God that people around you will come to you and support you and you will find strength and courage and, and ability to come up on your feet again. Yeah, that's what faith is, right? It's, it's yeah. okay to suffer. It's okay to be sick and still have Jesus. I mean, that is faith. It's not lack of faith to be sick. It's not lack of faith. Um, no. I think that is very important. So, yeah, I think this has been a very interesting conversation. I mean, we've covered a lot <laughs> in one and a half hours. Um, yeah. What do you have to say? May, may I just say the, the last thing about yeah. Wake Up Olive? Because that was the thing we were addressing. Yeah. The parents there. Yeah. I really do really hope that they will not leave God if they one day will see that the theology and the practice have turned them into not take the time to mourn for the loss of their daughter. Yeah. And to really let God take the place to be the rock. And the, and the one who leads them through the valley of death. Yeah. I hope that they will come closer to God, to Jesus Christ, who is the God both crucified and resurrected. Yeah. And that will lead them into eternity and, they, and where they will find their daughter again. Very, very good. To wrap well that said. up. To recapitulate, we have uh, talked about uh, strange doctrines and... Um, the lack of making the words become flesh, so to, so to speak, that if we make great claims, we need to do them as well. And we really encourage people to think about these things, what these teachers are saying, um, and, and really test what they're saying. And I think this is a very, very good time to do those things because people are at home we have nothing to do people can't go to work really think this through and pray in prayer um, and with the word in front of you um, and I, th I really think that a lot of good things will come out of this crisis that people will start to come back to the word and maybe starting realizing that much of contemporary church and teachings maybe doesn't hold through times like this. Um, that it, it needs to be grounded on the word and the word alone. Uh, so that is, I think, is our encouragement. I really love talking to you guys. And I think we, we have to do this more times, I think. <laughs> even, yeah, when it, 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 even when it's not a crisis. It was a real privilege and uh, nice to talk with you, Chris. And we, so we thank you for taking your time, Chris. Yeah.
and uh, thank God for this opportunity that we still have the opportunity to connect with each other through social media. I mean, that is that is amazing. We are so privileged, so privileged. And uh, I hope you all will find a little bit of uh, hope and uh, rest in what we have said and the way we wrapped it up as well. Yeah. Goodbye, yes. everyone. Take care.